Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, I've got Adam. Adam, no, you're not Ali. I keep doing this. Sorry, you're not Ali. You're Andy, aren't you? Sorry. Yes, I'm the other Scottish one. <laughs> the other one, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You should be called, like, you know, I'm going to get very sort of stereotypical here. Uh, but, like, you know, Jock or something. Uh, so, Jimmy. Jimmy, something where your name doesn't begin with an A and end in a Y. That's the problem. How you doing? You all right? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Very good. Been off uh, work this week, which is always a pleasure. Have you? So I've been watching some old stuff on old football stuff on YouTube and spent like three hours earlier on playing Championship Manager. Took me back to my teenage years. <laughs> what year Championship Manager were you played? Uh, 01 02. Where are you? Everybody plays the free one. How'd you get on? Uh, so I started a new save this afternoon actually. I decided I would go from, I would actually start from the conference. Okay. I worked my way up with one club, so it's Forest Green. Yeah. I went back before they were Forest Green Rovers. And they're playing at the lawn, which I'd, I'd never heard of as a ground before. No. So I'm doing okay. I was I was expecting to battle relegation, and at the moment I'm second in the table despite having literally no money to spend. Uh, so it's gone okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that's pretty cool. And what football games have you watching on on the YouTube? Uh just a wee bit of everything. I, I, I've uh, been watching some old old firm stuff. Um, been watching some old like. You know, goal compilations for World Cups and, and things like that. So nothing, nothing, you know, terribly <laughs> up to date. But you know, still, it's it's good to go back and watch that stuff sometimes. Are you aware of the FIFA streaming app? I'm not. No. Okay, so uh, this is FIFA Plus. So it's on their website, or you can download it as an app. And they've got umpteen free videos on there. So. They've got quite a few things like documentaries. So they've got documentary about like how Croatia became to be the world sort of class team that they are um, yes. after the wars. There's another one about the uh, the ladies team in Juarez in Mexico uh, in the backdrop of sort of crime and all that sort of thing. But oh, okay. they're pretty good. Um, but um, what they've also got is um, the official documentaries from all the previous World Cups. I, I must admit, I do like a World Cup documentary. I've seen a few over the years. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I do enjoy them. Yeah, so they've got loads of those. I think... Um, France 98 and USA 94 are my go-to ones. The 94 is kind of, so that when I think about World Cups that I've seen, or I've at least seen some at live, 94 probably sits maybe just behind 86 for me. Okay. Um, and then France 98 was, was great, obviously, because it was the last time. Scotland qualified. Oh. And we gave Chris Boyd. A good run for our money and 
Aye, Tom Boyd's own goal. Tom Boyd. was really unfortunate, but you know, yeah. it, it very much in keeping with Scotland's history of glorious failure at major tournaments. Yeah, Costa Rica, Italia 90. <laughs> Can't uh, right, okay, before we start talking about draws against Peru, um, let's talk about uh, the Champions League games that have happened this week. So, um, this is the, it's the third qualifying round, isn't it? Because after this, you're in the group stages. Yes. Um, yeah. So, these are the first legs. So, Bodo Glimp 1, Dinamo Zagreb 0, uh, Copenhagen 2, Trabzon Spall 1, Karabag 0, Victoria Pilsen 0, uh, Dinamo Kiev 0, Benfica 2, uh, Maccabi Haifa three, uh, Red Bull. Oh, sorry, Red Bull. Um, Red Star Belgrade two, uh, and then Ibrox. It was Rangers two, PSV two. Um, so goals from Colac. Is it Colac or Colac? It's Cholak. Cholak. Got that completely wrong. Uh, and then Tom Lawrence with a free kick that Walter Benitez in goal probably doesn't want to see ever again, does he? So what happened there? So the, the, to, I mean Tom Lawrence. I don't think he caught it particularly well. I think it kind of achieved what he was trying to do which was given that it was uh, a night of fairly heavy rain in Glasgow he was trying to bounce it in front of the keeper and get it to skip up mm. he didn't catch it right, he didn't get a huge amount of power behind it, it skipped up in front of the goalkeeper enough where he really should have, have held it it was quite far in front of the keeper wasn't it, he bounced yeah, it, it, it dropped, it, it skipped in front of him maybe about the 6 yard box so you know he should have and given the lack of power there was plenty of time there and you know a keeper as as renowned as, as Benitez really should have done better and just made an absolute howler you would maybe make the excuse from that you know the ball is swippy given how how wet it was at Glasgow and so on but no a, a keeper of that caliber should be doing better I think it's safe to say um James Tavernier, uh, I hear uh, sort of scrolling through, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not a Scottish football expert at all, yeah. but I do sort of see sort of scrolling through uh, Twitter and occasionally on other podcasts I listen to, his name mentioned a lot in sort of quite glowing terms. Yes. I really, really liked his assist um, for the first goal because it wasn't sort of like a, a side foot across the area and hope. He deliberately sort of passed it backwards, yes. sort of diagonally backwards to where the Rangers player was. That was a lovely assist. Um, how good is he? He he is he is very good, obviously in terms of goal scoring. He's he's record at Rangers over the last five six seasons is pretty remarkable. Um, obviously, a part of that is down to the fact that he's he's playing in the Premier League, and you know maybe he has a bit more license to get forward. But at the same time, you know he also proved it by you know finishing was a joint top scorer in the Europa League last season. Yeah. Um. So he's capable of doing it against the big teams as well. Defensively, as with most attacking fullbacks, I think that's maybe the one thing you could look at and wish that we'd do better. As good a passer as he is, he has a tendency. He did that a few times in the Europa League final, of you know maybe just slack passes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, I was delighted to see he'd signed a new deal um, earlier this week. Um, I He's the reason Nathan Patterson left Rangers, basically, because Nathan Patterson, I, I think, is seen as one of Scotland's, you know, more highly touted prospects. And I just couldn't get in ahead of uh, Tavernier, given how well Tavernier's played over the last two or three seasons in particular. So... Yeah, he's. I was delighted to see he's going to stay on because I think he is. He's kind of vital to how uh, Van Bronckhurst wants Rangers to play. 
And as a Rangers fan with this, um, I mean, this sort of natural uh, food chain order of things, are you sort of counting down the days till an English club takes him away, or do you think that? Um... No, I kind of feel like if that was going to happen, given his age now, I think Tavernier's twenty nine, maybe. Oh, 30, okay. Very nice to um, So, I get the impression that if that was going to happen, it would have happened by now. There was there was chat. Uh, I think it might have been two seasons ago. It was. Um, Newcastle were apparently linked with him, but that never turned into a bid or anything. I, I'm not aware of other clubs being interested. They could, they could potentially be. He's a very good player. And like I said, his his form in the Europa League last season was was enough to, I would imagine, make some people sit up. But yeah, I, I think that kind of ship has sailed, especially now given the, the the new contract. Are you surprised Stephen Gerrard hasn't tried popping back for um, more players? Um. I'm a little surprised he hasn't come in for Glenn Kamara, mm. uh, given how good Glenn Kamara's been f- since Rangers signed him, and genuinely one of the, the bargains of the, the decade, certainly in Scotland at least, but probably wider. You know, we got him for 50,000, and you know, I think if anybody was looking to pry him away now, you'd probably be looking high single millions, maybe low double mm. millions, you know, nine. To twelve million, um, and Gerard is, was a huge fan of him, so I'm a little surprised he hasn't come in from. I thought maybe when stuff started to happen around Joe Aribo, mm. he might have looked to have made a move there as well. But no, I, I think you know Villa are operating in a, a different financial stratosphere from Rangers, and you know Gerard I think probably recognises that a lot of the players he had who did do good jobs for Rangers that might have been the limit in terms of where they could go so yeah I, Glenn Kamara and Joe Rebo, I thought he might have had a sniff but other than that I think yeah I'm not, I'm not hugely surprised he's, he's not come in for anybody else okay um, in the Europa League qualifying uh, George Burley and Vladimir Romanov won't be happy because uh, Hearts lost 2-1 to FC Zurich <laughs> there endeth my um, knowledge of <laughs> Hearts this century <laughs> Stephen uh, Preston, Paul Hartley, am I? Um... Uh, that's another two names, yes. Yeah. Um, Graham Ricks. Um, or do we not talk about Graham Ricks? Rudy Scatchel might be a name. Yeah. Familiar to some when he was when he was uh, in his pomp at Hearts. Casper Gorks was he from Hearts? Maybe not. Mm, I've, I've gone too yeah. far now. Too far too <laughs> soon. <laughs> I did used to work with a girl who was uh, madly in love with. Um, oh, I think it was Jackie McNamara. She thought he was a handsome man. Yes, Jackie was for Scottish footballers. <laughs> could he get? Could the eighties aging badly web Twitter account have its own um, Scottish sort of? <laughs> I, I imagine it probably could. Yes, although Scotland, Scotland in the nineties also had the other problem where it was players who were actually older, looking like they were barely teenagers, like yeah. Simon Donnelly, the age of 30, yeah. 31, still looked about. 14. And I suppose if you're getting handsome bloggers like Marco Negri and you know these sort of flamboyant southern Europeans all tanned and long haired then <laughs> it's not quite the same is it? <laughs> no it's not. It's, it's unfortunate but you know the climate in Scotland doesn't really allow for um, really tanned handsome Scottish, uh, well certainly no footballers anyway. Do you have players that turn up and think oh my god this isn't what I was expecting? Oh absolutely I mean you only need to look at how many 
you know, players from from out with the British Isles mm. come to Scotland and last a season to at most. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm sure that they're all kind of aware of things like the weather and the, the the climate and things like that. I imagine that's not the problem. The problem, I imagine, is the style of football. You know, the some of the what the weather does to some of those pitches and so on, especially during the winter months. Although that's less of a problem now, I think you know the technology for for football pitches and and keeping them good throughout the year is obviously much better than it used to be. So. Yeah, and I guess away games as well because if I suppose you could play at Celtic Park or Ibrox, that's you know that's quite a nice a couple of nice little stadiums. When you're sort of away at East Fife or something like that, then it's um it's probably a bit of a culture shock for you. Yeah, so so obviously Livingston get a fair amount of stick because I think. I'm, I'm fairly certain they're the only ones in the top flight playing on a 4G pitch. Okay. And obviously 4G is, is somewhat controversial. Mm. Um, and, uh, given the injuries that seem to occur on that kind of surface rather than, than on grass. So, uh, but yeah, but certainly, even I mean, even some of the smaller clubs now, they, they do a cracking job of maintaining their, their, their pitches. It's, it's, it's to their credit that they're able and some of the, the, the areas they're doing it mm. uh, are able to keep them uh, as good as they do. Oh, that's good. Um, elsewhere, we've got the Conference League. West Ham 3, uh, Viborg uh, 1. Um, goals from Samaka, Jared Bowen, who has scored in the Conference Premier League and now the Conference League, and Mikhail Antonio. I think there was some controversy there that uh, Viborg weren't allowed two of their players to enter the country because of Brexit rules, I think. Um, and yes, they were saying this right. is... This is a little bit unfair. Maybe they shouldn't pick two of their best players. Uh, West Ham shouldn't be allowed to pick two of their best players. So, yeah, it was a little bit unfair, they felt. Um, Riga's footballer, footballer uh, Scola, um, two, Linfield two. Linfield would two nil up in the 88th minute. I think it was like 10, 89 and 96th minute um, that uh, Riga scored in. Uh, some men's transfer news this week. Um, I thought Ryan was going to be on, so I've picked this guy out. So, Cesare Casadi from Inter to Chelsea with £12 million on a six-year contract. That's pretty good for him. Um, Morgan Gibbs White uh, must have a hell of an agent because he's gone from Wolves to Forest for thirty-five million pounds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know, I know that he had a, a pretty exceptional season for Forest last year, and I can absolutely understand why they they wanted him back. And I understand Wolves probably taking advantage of that and maybe bumping the price up a little more than they would have asked from other clubs. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm I mean, good on Forrest for for spending some money. I'm I'm a little torn as to their their approach for this because it feels like, on the one hand, Fulham when they went on that mad spending spree two seasons ago, you know, they brought in the likes of Seri for mm. five million and so on, and that that was um that was that that just didn't work for them. Forest, I don't know. The quality of player they're bringing in gives me a little more hope that this might work for them. Hassan Auer, I don't know if that deal's complete yet, but if it does end up uh, happening, then I think you know that's that's a, a real step up in quality from from some of the players that are already there. Yeah. Um, maybe it works for them. If Cooper's a good enough coach, he should be able to make it work. But yeah, well, um, 
I guess we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, I've not seen their outgoings uh, for players that they've either sold or released or sent back on loan. Because I know James Garner was there, or Joel Garner, I can't remember. Not Joel Garner, he was a cricketer. James Garner. Uh, he's gone on loan back to Manchester United because he was there last season. So maybe the sort of 14 signings they made covers up quite a lot of outgoings as well. Although someone has... Do you remember the... Um, uh, the video of Peter Risdale doing his press conference 20 years ago and uh, Leeds was all going tits up and he says, you know, we lived the dream and it didn't work yes. out for us. Uh, someone, a few people have been tweeting that video today saying Forest next season. <laughs> so... I mean, it's right. But the, the, one, the one thing I would say is obviously I, I get the impression that the Leeds situation specifically spooked a lot of clubs and I'm imagining the clubs are probably much more I, I would say sensible in terms of they've looked at what ha what is the worst case scenario which is obviously they go back down that season but they get the parachute payments for the three seasons after that is that does does that do these transfers fit within the model that they've got for the worst case scenario I imagine they probably do you know by and large Premier League in particular uh, chief executives and, and directors of football and so on are, are much smarter than maybe they were a decade ago yeah um so yeah we'll we'll see how it works out for them i think forest will be okay i do as well and i think a large part of that is the steve cooper factor yes. i think uh giovanni simeone son of diego has gone from verona to napoli on loan uh packet acacer has gone from villarreal to chargera c in the uae uh on loan uh west ham signed Atilo keira from psg for 10 million pounds and sergio gomez has gone from andalette to manchester city for 11 million pounds uh some rumours today I've seen Ben Brereton Diaz is going to go from Blackburn to either Everton or Bournemouth I'd be really surprised if and impressed with Blackburn if they managed to keep hold of him after this transfer window because I think he scored quite a few goals last season he's already scored a few this season as well I'm a, I'm a little surprised that they've held on to him as long as they mm. have to be honest I mean it feels like ever since you know he, he declared for Chile and, and broke into their national team and so on it, it feels like this has been a move that's been coming for a while. Mm. Um, Everton needs anybody in the door at the moment because I'd, I'm incredibly... I was going to say incredibly worried for them. I'm not really because I don't like Frank Lampard. That's, um, <laughs> You're incredibly schadenfreude for them. Yes. I, 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 Everton as an institution, I feel quite sorry for, obviously, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they're actually probably one of the big six in that division. But it's been so long football-wise since that was the case. And, yeah, I, I'm still not convinced by Lampard as a coach. Uh, I think, he, to be fair to him, I think he's been badly let down by his board um, in terms of, you know, players not just coming in, but also players going out. You know, mm. I, the Delhi Alley situation seems extremely strange. To me, I mean, he was there what half a season, yeah, and they're already looking to get shot of him for what I can tell from what I can tell a pretty substantial loss. Well, I have seen a thing where he has reached the total number of appearances he can make before Everton owe Spurs another 10 million pounds as part of his transfer kitty. So, whether they're trying to zip him up for that reason, have you seen the um Jose Deliali video this week? I haven't, no, okay. So, um, this is going back to the all or nothing thing that um. Uh, Spurs did um, and it's uh, it's Jose trying to give Delhi uh, a bit of a sort of man-to-man -man pep talk but, but probably a bit more of a sort of paternal father-to-son pep talk and Jose sort of says uh, today I'm 56 yesterday I was 20 uh, time flies 
Um, and I think basically Jose's point was it's hard to sort of feel any kind of sort of affiliation with Jose or anything like that. Um, but his his point was uh, you can be as good as you want you to be. I'm not asking you to score all the goals and be man of the match every week, but you've yeah. got to demand stuff from yourself and test yourself um, to see how good a player you really want to be. And I kind of wonder with Deli Ali, is there something going on with him in his life or with his mental state or something like that that we don't know about? All we just see is the fact that he's not getting games for Everton. There might be something there, there true. Might be, to me, it feels like there must be something. I, I, I won't go any further than that because I, I don't want to hmm. really stretch any conjecture here or anything, but. I remember how good Deli Alley was for those first kind of two seasons mm. he came into the Spurs team, young player of the year, the first season obviously as we know, scored that fantastic goal, uh, the volley from the turn outside the box, but uh, since then I, I'm struggling to think of a player who has fallen off as far as quickly as, as Deli Alley has and I, I hope this move to Besiktas works out for him Jack Wilshire if, Jack Wilshire is, is a good shout Jack Wilshire to be fair was, was always the injuries though mm. I mean nobody ever doubted his talent I think there's a there's a case here for where people are doubting whether Deli Ali has the talent anymore Unless do you think they're doubting that or do you think they're doubting his sort of uh, mental fortitude to want to be I, that good Cause I, I think, think it's probably I think it's yeah it's probably more the, the mental fortitude but I guess that kind of plays a role within the, the sphere of of talent yeah um, yeah I worry about the Besiktas move just because Turkey's such a, a notoriously difficult place to, to settle and, and you know really reproduce your best form Mm. Uh, obviously Mesut Ozil is, a, is the most recent example of that um, so yeah I'm worried for, for Dele Alli I hope it works out for him even if it's just that he shows enough good form in the next 12 months that maybe he gets a move back to the Premier League at that point mm. um, but yeah it's, it's, it's a, not a great situation for the boy now, uh, Newcastle are going to increase a bid to £23 million for Jean Mario of Watford who are also probably going to lose Ishmael Assar to Crystal Palace I heard lots of good things about not Eden here but you sort of hear his name mentioned Ishmael Assar at the start of last season as like you know he's the one shining light for Watford but that didn't last for very long um, Bernardo Silva won't go to PSG or Barcelona he's going to stay uh, at Manchester City Chelsea will get Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang um, shrug shoulder emoji because I don't quite see why they would want him uh, to me, I, I mean, look, I, I think that there's, there's no doubt in my mind that Aubameyang is still a tremendous talent. There are obviously issues there around whether he has the right attitude mm. for for certainly the the English game. Um, to me, though, getting rid of Timo Werner to get Pierre Emerick Aubameyang back yeah. in return just feels like a zero sum move. Yes. For me, um, I, I was about to say I would like to be proven wrong. I wouldn't because I take to see him come back and score a hat trick against Arsenal. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I, I do wonder. I think this will be a good test because I've always wondered whether part of the problem that Obama Yang had at Arsenal towards the end was the result of his relationship with Mikel Arteta mm. specifically, because players don't seem to have a bad word to say about him. Um, he, 
obviously had a very good relationship in particular with, with like Lacazette and, and so on when he was here but um, yeah it'll be an interesting move that one but one that I ultimately don't think is, is going to hugely move the needle for, for Chelsea in either direction No, um, Harry Winks to Everton uh, James Madison will probably sign a new contract with Leicester uh, and last one, at least the most interesting one Justin Cliver to Fulham that sounds a pretty decent transfer for them doesn't it? Clivert's a good player, obviously. He's moved about about the last few seasons. Obviously, spent some time with Roma, spent some time with Nice, I yeah. think it was. Um, if he can find the right club, there, there's no doubt he's a, he's a huge talent. He, he plays very well coming in off that left wing. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that would be... A, I imagine that probably would be a good sign. And I get the impression that the, the English game's probably a good game for Clivert. Maybe a little more than... You know, say the Italian or the French leagues, which maybe play a little slower. Yeah. Um, so it could be a good move. Fair enough. Uh, right, we'll talk about uh, some European leagues. Um, it is uh, Spanish league this weekend, their second week. Uh, Atletico Madrid versus Villarreal. Um, Real Sociedad versus Barcelona. Now, this is something I saw a tweet about earlier on that is going to be on free to air TV. It's going to be on ITV on Sunday night at nine o'clock. Um, I've seen that Premier Sports or La Liga TV have agreed to give ITV one fixture a month uh, starting this weekend with Real Sociedad versus Barcelona and given how good Sociedad tend to start uh, La Liga seasons that could be quite good fun to watch. Um, Santa Vigo versus Real Madrid and Mallorca versus Real Betis they're the teams are in the top four at the moment. Um, do you watch much La Liga? Uh, I mean, not as much as I did a few years back when, you know, it was kind of the big three were yeah. challenging for the title of the season. Obviously, you know, your, your Shavis and Iniestas and, and the lights were still playing. But, yeah, I, I still keep a, a watching brief, at least. Uh, it's difficult to see past Real Madrid this season. I think they fought well. I know they're a bit of Casemiro, but I get the impression that's a mutually beneficial exit. Yeah. Um... Sociedad, I think, are one of that group of uh, kind of between three and eight, nine uh, in the table, who, if they go on a good run, could make some waves. Um, so I'll be curious to see how, how that works out for them. Yeah. Uh, Italy, um, their second round of fixtures, and so Napoli to top, well, I think they've all got three points. That's Napoli, Juventus, Milan, Fiorentina, so it's Napoli versus Monza, Sampdoria versus Juve, Atlanta versus Milan, and Empoli versus Fiorentina. Um Watch Italian football? Uh, yeah, I, I probably keep more of a watch a brief on Italian than I do uh, Spanish, actually. Yeah. Um, Syria's YouTube channel is actually a very good yes. YouTube channel. I would recommend that for anyone who maybe doesn't, because they, obviously you get your, they do their, they've got their English speaking yeah. um, clips channel and so on, so you can watch along with that. Um, I think it's good to see for me that Mandres has been piqued by the fact that Milan are back at the top because obviously being of the age I am yeah. you know I grew up with the, the great Milan sides of the late 80s early 90s uh, and obviously then they had the renaissance kind of mid 2000s obviously the two Champions League finals were Liverpool um, yeah it's Inter on my team and obviously it's been good to see them over the last kind of 10-15 years you know re-establish themselves as a force yeah and yeah, there's, there's always a soft spot there as well for Juventus and, and Roma you know it's good to I, I, like I said I grew up in an era where Italian football was king and yes. while we're obviously not 
there at this point. English football is, is very much king. Um, it's good to see these teams being competitive in Europe again. Yeah, it was quite a good title race last season. Um, I only want good things with Divock Origi. I, I think I'm in the grief stage of... Um, the accept- I'm getting towards the acceptance stage of my grief process with him leaving Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, it's... Origi's, Origi's a, a funny one in terms of, you know, if, if Origi was starting every week for Liverpool, then obviously you, you imagine maybe they wouldn't have had quite the success they've had the last few seasons. But he's arguably one of the best kind of impact subs that's played mm. in the Premier League in the last 20, 30 years, maybe. Would have been quite useful the first two games as well, coming off the bench. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Bundesliga. Can I interest you in any Bundesliga? I keep an eye on the Bundesliga again. They've got they're another one who's actually got a very good YouTube channel. You know, they, they, they create good content on that. Always like their signing announcement videos where it's the guy who draws the picture of the, the yeah. player in the new shot and stuff so yeah I keep, I keep an eye on the Bundesliga as well well after two games which two teams could you stick your finger in the air and sort of stick your finger and stick it in the air and guess who the two teams at the top are could it be Bayern and Dortmund could be yeah. followed, by, followed by Gladbach and Cologne so it's Gladbach versus Hertha Berlin uh, Bochum versus Bayern Frankfurt versus Cologne and Dortmund versus uh, Werder Bremen have you seen the Michael Cox article this week on The Athletic about Bayern Munich I don't think I have no. his idea was because it's such a procession um, the Bundesliga Bayern should start each game with a goal disadvantage and my immediate thoughts was well they'll just win games 5-1 rather than 5-0 but you know um, yeah I mean that's just I feel that just leads to Manny scoring five goals <laughs> nine minutes instead of Lewandowski. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's no <laughs> uh, Ligue 1, do you like a bit of France? Yeah, keep an eye on that. Their YouTube content maybe isn't quite as good as the other other kind of big leagues. But yeah, it's um, it's always worth keeping an eye on just to see the latest goings on in Paris. Well, I like the League on YouTube channel because they sort of do the weekend highlights in eight minutes and it's lovely. <laughs> Just get them all sort of done and out of the way. Uh, so PSG, obviously, after two games at the top and six points, then it's Marseille, then Lille. So it's Lille versus PSG. That's the Christophe Gautier derby because obviously uh, he's the manager of PSG now. Uh, and then Marseille versus Nantes, making it the top three because, of course, only three teams going to the um, Champions League. In news, uh, it, it was the CONCACAF League this week, um, which is the Europa League equivalent. Uh, these were first leg games. Games. Uh, so Verdes of Belize uh, lost 2 0 at home to Alancia of um, oh, Alianza of Honduras. Pacific of Canada lost 1 0 at home to uh, Herediano of Panama. Uh, Communicaciones, I can only guess that stands for communications, uh, they lost 1 0 at home to Diriagon of Honduras. Uh, and Cibao of um, Panama, they lost 1 0 at home to uh, Montague of Honduras and finally it was an all Panama affair as Sporting San uh, Miguelito lost 1-0 at home to Taro um, last 16 of the Asian Champions League so uh, these were after extra this was after extra time so Daegu uh, lost 2-1 to uh, Jabuk Hyundai Motors both those South Korean teams um, and Kim Jingju with a uh, 121st minute winning goal there um, and Visakobia Japan uh, that is um uh, Andres Iniesta's team. Uh, they beat Yokohama Tires 3-2. Uh, but all the action was in Oceania, wasn't it, this week? Indeed, yes. Uh, thank you for sending me the link to the highlights <laughs> of the Oceanic Football Confederation. Is that what no, that? That's right. 
like uh, their Champions League. He was. Um, but I've, I've got to be honest. When you sent me it and I watched it at first, I was, you know, that episode of The Simpsons <laughs> where they have to dub in the two teams that are competing in the Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> I, I must admit, I was kind of getting ready to come on here and go along the lines of, yes, I was very impressed by the number nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, right? I, I think I, the standard of football was, was, was decent from what I saw. Um, I, it's a shame, obviously, there wasn't a bigger crowd, but, you know, I, I understand that, you know, New Zealand isn't really football hotbed of the world, you know. Obviously, it kind of probably falls maybe third, fourth in their list of national sports. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it, it would have been nice if they had more than what appeared to be one television camera <laughs> uh, covering it because obviously there was a couple of uh, relatively controversial instance. One handball, I think. In yeah, the, that was uh, never a handball. Well, that that was a handball, but it was never a penalty for the first goal, was it? So just a bit, just a bit of context. Sorry, just call out the score. So um, they had both the semi-finals and the final this week. So Venus of Tahiti beat uh, Hienge Sports of New Caledonia four 0 and then Auckland City uh, of New Zealand uh, beat Central Coast of the Solomon Islands two 0 and then in the final. Uh, Auckland City beat Venus 3-0, got their ninth title, uh, their ninth Champions League title. So yeah, the first goal was a sort of controversial penalty, wasn't it? Yeah, the way it looked to me was that the, the ball kind of got zipped across and I, I didn't see it. Again, the angle wasn't great on the replay due to them, like I said, having maybe at most two cameras watching the game. Um, it looked harsh. Yeah. Um, but also from the, the, the highlights, I got the impression that it was probably deserved. So, yeah, I mean, it's not... Um, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know how much difference it would have made. But, yeah, at the same time, with it being the first goal, you know, if that doesn't get given, Venus maybe break up the pitch, it could have changed the game. So, yeah, uh, VAR would have been very helpful there, but I, I'm guessing that's not really <laughs> I don't think it is. Uh, well, we'll stay down under because it was Australian Cup this week as well. So um, some of the sort of minnows uh, play the uh, A-League team. So there's no promotion relegation in the A-League or in Australian football. So you can only get so far. So Adelaide City drew 2-2 with Adelaide United. Um, Adelaide United are an A-League team. Uh, they won 4-1 on penalties. Avondale drew 2-2 with Brisbane Raw, who went through 4-1 on penalties. And Melbourne City, uh, A-League team, they lost 2-1 to Wellington Phoenix, also with the A-League. So, uh, other bits of news. Um, QPR are to host a swab centre um, because outside Loftus Road before their game against Rotherham this weekend. They're looking for donors. Um, there is a 14-year-old boy by the name of Daniel Greer, who's a family friend of QPR defender uh, Jimmy Dunn. And they're looking for uh, donors to... Uh, to help him uh, get better. Uh, Chelsea promised they'll take the quote-unquote strongest action against anyone found to have raged abused some human after the Spurs game. Unfortunately, that is the uh, the way of the world, unfortunately. And did we see... Um, oh, we'll talk about it briefly, actually, because uh, we've not talked about the Liverpool game, have we? Um, no, we have not. No, the... Uh, is it Joachim Anderson? No, it's not Joachim Anderson. something Anderson, isn't it? Yes, it's... I cannot remember his first name. Dave. I don't remember. Dave Anderson. <laughs> uh, he's received death threats after his tussle with uh, with Darwin Nunes. Um, yeah, what did you make to that game? <sighs> I, I'm, 
it's maybe a little early in the season to be saying this, and I'm sure a, a comfortable win over Man United will probably spark it. I'm slightly worried about the, the. I say worried again as an Arsenal fan. When I say I'm slightly worried about these things, I mean just as like a complete neutral. I can see why people would be worried. It's not necessarily I myself I'm worried about, <laughs> it, but Liverpool. It's I didn't think they would miss Manny as much as as much as they have so far. Uh, Luis Diaz continues to be outstanding. I thought it was that that was a goal of the weekend. He scored a great goal. Yeah. Darwin Nunes. I mean, Liverpool sign, signing a Uruguayan with a bad temper for big money. I can't imagine that's ever happened before. <laughs> uh, Let's hope he doesn't play Patrice ever. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious. Yeah, I, I think the the thing that would worry me if I was a Liverpool fan isn't necessarily that they won't find the form. They will definitely find the form. My worry is, will it already be too late by that point? Because yeah, we all we all know that in this modern era of City and Liverpool dominating the top two, that you know it can take over a hundred points to win this league title, and that's four in the first two games that Liverpool have already dropped. So yeah, um, yeah, I would be I would be slightly concerned if I was a Liverpool fan, but yeah. I'm, I'm sure they'll come good soon enough. So as you sit there in bed at night in your George Graham pajamas underneath your <laughs> um, your Arsenal duvet, uh, dreaming of Thierry on me. Dreaming of Thierry. Um, do you look at the video of Anderson and Darwin Nunes that was on Twitter this week? Have you seen that? I haven't. No. Have I, you not? Oh, this is brilliant. Not different. I'm guessing this is different from the from the, what actually happened. Well, this is basically no. It's basically a minute and thirty seconds of. Uh, Anderson winding up Nunes, right. which is, I mean, I'm a Liverpool fan and it's still glorious to see. I, I live by the premise of, <laughs> <laughs> I live by the mantra of funny football is better than good football. And, you know, yes, that unfortunately, sure. even if that involves my team, I still have to sort of live and die by that sword. Um, so basically, yeah, he was sort of doing little tiny things all game just to wind up Nunes. Um, <laughs> and it was glorious to see to the point where, you know, Nunes turned around and, and did what he did and. He went down as if he'd been sort of sniped from the stands. It's funny, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know how much of a basketball aficionado you are, no. but there was a player called Lance Stevenson who every chance he could get when he was interviewed would talk about how I've got LeBron James's number, he can't <laughs> compete with me and all the rest of it. And eventually came ahead where during one game Lance Stevenson kind of kneeled down beside LeBron and just started blowing in his ear right he kneeled down beside him uh, so LeBron how tall is this guy uh, so (laughs) he's actually not tall LeBron (laughs) is also bent over I should point that much out oh okay sorry (laughs) kind of catching his breath and Lance Stevenson just walked over and kind of I just breathed right in his ear Right, right, easy on. It's just like, I, I just like the idea that you know that's a, a thing that translates across all sports. It's just like <laughs> I know I can wind this guy up in the pettiest way possible. I'm gonna do it. Oh, for sure, definitely. Pet- pettyism is an underrated emotion, I think, um, or pettiness. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I see what you're saying about Liverpool being a few points behind already, and I, I'm not sure what you say about Mane. Obviously, he's a big miss, but. That is a very familiar game as a Liverpool fan to watch. Liverpool having an enormous amount of chances and very few shots on target. Um, 
particularly in the first half. I know the second half we were sort of changed a bit due to the sort of playing with 10 men, but Liverpool dominating possession and having lots of shots with the keeper not having to do an awful lot is a very familiar tale. Yeah, I, yeah, I watched that as I kind of got back into football at the, the tail end of last season. I did, I did watch quite a few Premier League games and obviously that meant at that stage of the season uh, quite a lot of them featured Liverpool mm. and um, yeah I can see that it can be a frustrating thing to watch because you'll get the games where they will run absolute rampant you know, um, the game where they beat City was it 4-1 or something? Oh 3-1 in the Champions uh, yeah. Community Shield sorry. And they, yeah. yeah and they, they made it look really easy and looked like they could have scored more and then you get the games like you know maybe less Fulham because obviously they did get two in that game but but that game you know one each and mm. yeah I, I, as a Rangers fan I, I can sympathise fully because I watched especially under Steven Gerrard the amount of times we dropped points with last minute equalisers because we'd only managed to score one mm. in the previous 85 minutes of dominance and mm. it could be very frustrating to watch yeah, definitely. That's definitely how it feels. Um, we've already got our first injured player missing the World Cup. Um, Jesus Corona of Seville and uh, or Sevilla, Mexico, is out after breaking his leg. So we're getting to the point now where um, injuries could sort of be a little um, fatal with regards to sort of World Cup chances. Um, so I don't know whether we're going to start seeing players not dive into tackle so much as the over the next few weeks or so, but. Um, yeah, that would be quite interesting. Uh, and Mike Dean has accepted he's made the wrong decision um, after he recommended that the referee took no action um, after Cucurella had his hair pulled in the um, Spurs-Chelsea game last week, which I think, was that in the lead-up to the equaliser for Spurs? Yeah, basically it was the corner before the corner that led to the goal. Right. So, obviously, so basically, yeah, Chelsea should have had a free kick and that probably would have allowed them to, to kill the game. Mm. Um, he didn't admit this in any sort of official refereeing channel. He admitted this in his column in the Daily Mail, which is maybe not the best of uh, of things to do. Um, uh, I mean, writing for the Daily Mail in general is probably not the best of things to no. do. But if you're then going to use that to go, I kind of like that. I'd be like uh, O.J. Simpson writing in the Daily Mail. Yep, I did it. <laughs> That's, uh, 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 hands up. I, you know, I made a mistake. Exactly. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> Uh, well, look, we're going to go talk about the Premier League this weekend. And speaking of Spurs, they're the early um, kickoff, uh, 12.30 BT Sport on Saturday. Spurs versus Wolves in the Dean Richards derby. Um, I've written here, what is the point of Wolves? Um, can you enlighten me? <laughs> so, I mean, obviously it looks like they're going to bring in Matias Nunez, who, yep. who I think will be a very good signing. You know, he's in that kind of Bruno Fernandes, Pedro Consalves uh, mould of... You know, very talented um, Portuguese players who play through the middle of the park. I think is it enough when they still don't have what I would call a real twenty goal a season striker. As much as I like Raul Jimenez, you know he's he's a target man. Target men aren't there to score twenty goals a season. Mm. They're there to provide for the guys who are going to score twenty, and I just don't see that with Wolves. I like the look um, of that Huang guy. Yes, he was. So he was. To be fair, pretty poor last season. I think that's the general consensus. Right. But he showed enough flashes, and obviously, uh, where he played previously was it was it Leipzig or Salzburg? 
I okay. feel like it was one of the Red Bull clubs. Um, he was very highly regarded there. Uh, and so, yeah, he has the potential. He's very, very quick, very mobile. But it's, again, just whether he can kind of build on a fairly poor campaign last season. Wills, yeah, Wills will be fine. Yeah. But that's as much as they'll be this season. They won't. I don't think they'll hit the ground running like they did last season under Bruno Lage. And um, yeah, but they probably won't have as bad a run. Yeah, they so. had the um, the long-haired young lad. Uh, they signed for about thirty-five minutes. It Fabio Vieira. Fabio Silva. Fabio Silva. I had him on Football Manager once, and he was prolific. Uh, and then he arrived, and I thought, I can't wait to see this guy. And he was crap. Um, I was still, <laughs> I still maintain that they never should have got rid of Patrick Catroni because I think that. Uh, Catroni's a good, yeah. Catroni's a very good, solid striker. Again, he's he's maybe someone you wouldn't get twenty from, but between him and Jimenez, could you get thirty goals a season? Yeah, I, I don't doubt you could. Though. Yeah, there's a Wolves fan at my work, and when he signed Catroni, I was just like, wow, you no idea what sort of player you're getting here. And after about six weeks, I was like, well, what sort of player have I got? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, I loved him at the one, um, sort of when he was up and coming there. Um, three o'clock, Palace versus Aston Villa and Mali Jednak derby. Um, Palace, of course, they did very well last, se- uh, last weekend, and Villa, I think, got their first win in the season last week, didn't they? Did you? Um, we we spoke the last time I was on the podcast about how I I, I don't necessarily think Stephen Gerrard is the guy who's going to take Villa to the next level. Mm. Um, Palace. I don't, whereas I do think that Vieira has the ability to take Palace certainly to the the the, the outer regions of of qualifying for Europe. Mm. Um. I, I really like what he's done with Palace so far. Uh, Villa are another team who will be fine, but nothing more this season. I think some of the predictions I've seen for them to finish with top eight seem wildly optimistic to me. Um, th- this this game could easily end a draw, but also, like I said, I, I like what Vieira's done, so I'll, I'll maybe just I'll maybe plump for a Palace win here. Yeah, I do as well, and I kind of like what Villa have got. They've got they signed Diego, Diego Carlos is out now for six months. Um, yeah. He'd have been brilliant, but yeah, I quite like Buendia. Um John McGinn, obviously, quite like they got yes. him, um, and they signed Bubakar Kamara from Marseille. He was saw a little bit of last season. He was really exciting. Have you seen a video this week of the Crystal Palace players saying their names? No, I haven't seen that either. I must be in the wrong part of football. I've not seen any of this. Have you not? I should retweet more. Um, <laughs> basically, they got all the Crystal Palace first team. You know how they, they do these sort of gifts now where they sort of talk to the camera? Um, yes. The media thing. So basically, they got all the Crystal Palace players to say their name yep. uh, to the camera and then say their name phonetically, um, which is great for I mean, you know, for. Vicente Guaita and Luka Milivojevic you know it was really quite handy the way they sort of spelt it out um, when you get to Joel Ward and Will Hughes it was really funny because you literally Joel Ward Will Hughes two syllables and you can sort of see them thinking this is ridiculous and having to say my name phonetically um, and Wilfred Zaha said at the end this is just weird um, but it was it was quite an interesting thing modern day footballers I think uh, footballers, I think, at the start of the noughties and maybe back into the eighties and nineties, oh, they look. Looking back now, I don't think I would have liked them very much. They they seem like 
sort of arrogant pricks. Footballers nowadays seem like a lovely bunch of lads. I just like I just like watching football. I just like watching young footballers sort of interact with each other and just have fun. It's just nice to see young men enjoying themselves and having fun, or young women enjoying themselves and having a bit of fun. And I realise I sound like a really old man, but it's just well, like I, I agree completely. I you know I've spent. It's funny I was watching. We spoke about this um, off podcast. I was watching some old old firm stuff today, mm. and I ended up there was a there was I was recommended a, a compilation of like Morris Johnson goals for Rangers. Okay, and and it's like you could see him when he was being interviewed by by people after games and so on. It was very matter of fact and so on. And then there was one clip towards the end where it was like they were interviewing him and Alan McCoyst beside each other mm. and it was like somebody had flipped a switch on uh, mm. Mo Johnson it was just like as soon as you go up there with one of his mates it was just a completely different guy and he was laughing and smiling and joking and all the rest of it and it was, it was good to see and I, I love stuff like that Liverpool actually are, are kind of one of my favourite clubs for that kind of stuff yeah. they did the uh, I can't even remember what it was, but it was like it was a series. It was like a wee thing between Andy Robertson and Joe Matip, and I think Virgil Van Dyke might have been there as well. And it was it was like a wee skit they did. I can't even remember what it was. Called, oh yeah, it was, it was very enjoyable, and it's I, I do I like seeing stuff like that. I do as well. The one last season when um, they went to Watford and asked the Watford players, "Are there more doors or wheels in the world?" And you think, imagine going up to the 1994 Manchester United squad and asking Roy Keane and Mark Hughes that question. They just tell you to f off. It's just, it's quite nice and relaxing actually, just to sort of watch it. Makes it sort of makes the world feel a better place temporarily as you watch it's, it. It's funny. I, I, I do I do watch quite a lot of American sports, uh, particular basketball, and so as a result, I also watch some of the kind of media coverage that they do, and it's. it's it's really disappointing to see that there's still quite a lot of that old school mentality in the media coverage because mm. it's like most uh, modern young basketball players kind of get on. Mm. Like they all follow each other on Twitter and Instagram and all the rest of it and during the, the off season they're all out practicing with each other and things and it's like you see these old duffers coming on and going well, back in my day, but Jordan was a killer, and you know he would never have, you know, appeared in a video with anybody who was like his rival and so on. That's like, take a day off. I know life's too short to be that angry at everything. Yeah. Um, right, three o'clock, Everton versus Nottingham Forest, the Kevin Campbell derby. Um, I'm quite interested in this because this is uh, Frank Lampard. You know, obviously a lot of people's um sort of golden boy at the moment versus Steve Cooper a man who is definitely a coach and worked his way up so I think this is going to be quite the meeting of minds this game yeah I, I, Everton I think are, are in real trouble um, I think the I think what's going on at United and I know we're going to touch on that soon is, has maybe kind of masked some of what's actually happening at that club which is that they're not really getting a whole lot in, mm. and uh, but also sending quite a lot out. And I'm looking at that squad, and I just I don't at the moment. As I see certain Premier League players, I don't know if I see a Premier League squad. Uh, so that yeah. Forest will Forest will fancy this. Oh, I think they will. Yeah, I think you're right. Where will um, Frank Lampard go for his redemption job first when it all goes wrong at Everton and he gets his next job? Will it be Rangers or Celtic? Sky Sports. 
You'd think. Um... <laughs> yeah, no, you might be right, Dave. I just wonder whether he was going to do a Brendan and go sort of north of the border to resurrect himself. I mean, it's certainly. I, I remember when Gerard left. One of the first names that we were linked with apparently was Lampard. Okay. I, I was. I was not looking forward to that. Um, could that be a redemption story there, possibly? Because it's funny, I was thinking about this earlier on, actually. And I th- was thinking about this season's Scottish League Championship and the fact that I think Rangers will be better than they were last season in the league. Mm. I think Celtic will be very good again. And I'm thinking about Ange Postecoglou. And I think, for me, the only real threat for for... Or sorry, not the only real threat. Rangers are a real threat for Celtic, but in terms of what Celtic can control within their own club and so on, Postecoglou possibly going down south for mm-hmm. a couple of those Premier League jobs, perhaps Everton comes up, and I just wonder if that ends up where Mary go round to, or Postecoglou ends up at Everton and Lampard ends up at Celtic. Yeah. Um, Do you think he's yeah, better than Everton? Postecoglou is he better than Everton? Uh, I would say so, yes. Yeah. And I hate saying that, obviously, because I'm a Rangers man. But Postecoglou is clearly a very good coach. My concern for, for Celtic this season is the fact that they'll have Champions League football as well, which means a whole bunch more games. And the style that Postecoglou's teams play mm-hmm. is, is incredibly uh, high intensity. It's, it's kind of almost more gegging pressed than Klopp yeah um, that would be a concern for me whether the players will run out of gas towards the end of the season Do but, you... um, in terms of how he sets his team out to play and so on yeah I, th- I think I think he could land a better bigger and better job than ever do you um, do you sit in bed in your Walter Smith pyjamas wondering about Celtic <laughs> <laughs> That that spell in the kind of late nineties, early yeah. it's where we were cuffing them three or four goals almost every old firm game. Ah, it's great. Three <laughs> <laughs> o'clock, uh, Fulham versus Brentford of the John Salako derby. I've got absolutely nothing to say about this unless you have. No, uh, nothing <laughs> that I could think of anyway. Um, Fulham, yeah, let's say I'm, I'm kind of. I'm curious to see how Fulham's more uh, pragmatic approach. Uh, will work this time. They were very good against Liverpool. Yeah, I thought Mitrovic looks like he's here to to do the business this time. Um, uh, and then he got into a fight with Morgan Gibbs White last week. Ah, uh, these things happen, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Especially when Mitrovic is involved. Uh, Leicester versus Southampton, the Mark Draper derby. Um, Madison, we've talked about sort of possibly signing a new contract Wesley Fofana um, apparently he went after Leicester's game last week he sort of went over and applauded the City fans um, and people sort of saw that as a sign of you know he's leaving but he's still there um, whether he plays or not I don't know it's a pretty different matter I, I think it must be reaching the point where Brendan Rodgers is potentially putting pressure on the board to say look if this is the only way I'm going to get money to spend before the transfer window closes, mm. I need you to sell Westwood for Fana. He'll say he'll say the right things publicly about no, I want to keep him. He's a fantastic young player, and all the rest of it. 
But Rodgers must know that at this point Fafana being sold is likely the only route to him getting any real money to spend in the next uh, 10, 11 days. Yeah. Um, so I think it, this probably does end up with him going. And again, Fafana, Fafana I think you would maybe look at him as a a marquee signing for Chelsea even if it's just in terms of how much money it's likely to cost to buy him mm -hmm. um, and Chelsea it feels like I think what they've bought, they've bought well but I don't know if I'd look at any of those signings and call them marquee signings at this point Sterling? If, uh, Sterling is it Sterling's an odd one just that it would be a marquee signing if he'd been playing every week for Man City but hmm. it, it became kind of part of the rotation there. It's why, oddly enough, despite the fact that I think Gabriel Jesus is going to be fantastic for Arsenal, I don't necessarily look at him as a marquee signing. I Do you know? That, that sounds strange, I'm sure, but... Yeah, you, just, you don't see him as a marquee signing for... I, I, think, he, I, think, he's an, I think he's a fantastic signing for Arsenal. I think he will become a marquee signing for Arsenal but I'll look at it at the moment and I think there will be people on the outside looking in who will go cool they bought Gabriel Jesus he's a very good player he played one every two games for Man City hmm. he didn't he didn't start every week and I feel don't get me wrong there's a, there's a certain amount of um, superficiality to that hmm. I accept but again, it feels like marquee signings. Haaland to City is a marquee signing because Haaland's probably the best number nine in the world yeah. uh, right now. Lewandowski's a, a marquee signing to Barcelona despite his age because of what he's done at Bayern Munich for the last decade plus. Um, Gabriel Jesus and, and Raheem Sterling kind of feel to me like a step underneath that. I can... I think if you had offered uh, Gabby Jesus to uh, the 19 other Premier League clubs and your PSGs, Barca's, Real Madrid's of the world, I can't see any of them turning him down. I don't necessarily think it's that. Let's say that Gabriel Jesus is, is clearly a, an outstanding talent. I think part of the problem with Jesus to Arsenal, I say part of the problem, I don't mean it that way, but I think another reason why that maybe isn't seen as a marquee signing is that all the talk before Gabriel Jesus came in to, to the, the Emirates was that he was a system player mm. and he was going to fit into the system that Arteta is trying to play. It doesn't feel like a signing that Arteta's going to change his system to accommodate. Okay. Which kind of feels slightly like what Guardiola is doing with Haaland. Because mm. obviously last season they played basically without a number nine. Yep. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I'm not, I'm definitely not trying to denigrate these signings. I think Sterling will be a very, he'll be, he'll be Chelsea's top scorer this season, I'm sure he will. Mm. Gabriel Jesus has already made a fantastic start for Arsenal. He'll definitely be there their uh, top scorer and most likely the reason Arsenal will make top four Ooh. well uh, sorry go on. yeah no, uh, no no I was, I was just that. yeah no sorry I was just going to say because we're talking about Arsenal next that's half past five on Sky against Bournemouth in the Benicafobi derby should I be triple captain in Gabby of Jesus then I, I think there's a good case for it yes yeah um, Bournemouth 
Bournemouth have been okay, but again, it feels like they will struggle on their travels this season. Yeah. And given the start that Jesus has made, um, it's at Bournemouth. Oh, it's at Bournemouth. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, I'm not gonna change these things. This will be well. In that case, this will be a good test because obviously Arsenal's real problems over the last, I mean, decade at this point, have been their way form. Yeah. And when sides kind of get in about them, so this will be a good test for them. Um, this maybe wouldn't it be a game I would triple captain Jesus in. No. It feels maybe this may this might be more of a game where the goals come from like a Martinelli on the break. Okay. But, um, yeah, I've got to be honest. Will be okay. I'm waiting to triple captain Haaland at some point. I have to be honest. It's gonna. It's definitely gonna happen. At it's got to be like a home to Bournemouth I, or Fulham or something like that, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you get interviewed after that first game where he scored the, the the double against West Ham, and you know it was like it's been half an hour since I scored my last goal, and now he didn't score in the last game, so it's been over 120 minutes. And I imagine he's just chomping at the bit at this point. So. <laughs> no, you're right, definitely. Uh, right, Sunday on Sky is Leeds versus Chelsea in the Vinnie Jones derby. Um, Thomas, T- uh, not Thomas Tuchel, uh, Jesse Marsh was a bit perturbed today that he might actually have to shake hands with Thomas Tuchel because I think he felt that Tuchel should be banned, obviously because he got a red card. Um, he doesn't think uh, Tuchel should be on the touchline, which is an unreasonable thing to say. No, that's uh, that, that's uh, and especially the circumstances under oh. which Tuchel was was red carded, um, for the same reason Conte shouldn't be on the yes the, the sideline either. So yeah, like I said I think Leeds will be okay. I think they've made a pretty decent start. They've got about what I would have expected out of those first couple of games. Difficult to see them getting in it for this game, regardless of whether Chelsea have, have hit the ground running or not. So yeah, I think they'll be. Leeds will be okay, but I would fancy Chelsea in this one. Okay, uh, two o'clock. Um, West Ham versus Brighton in the Bobby Zamora derby. Um, West Ham going to be knackered after playing on Thursday night. Um, possibly. I, I will say I, I very much like the look of West Ham in that game on Thursday. There's there's a real kind of steel and professionalism to them now that maybe wasn't there in previous seasons. Obviously, with the confidence of the run to the Europa League semi-finals last season will have helped with that. Mm. I think they've bought well again. Um, yeah, I, I like I, I like West Ham for this one. Just mm. um, half past four on Sky Newcastle versus Manchester City. Now I was going to write the Antoine Sibierski derby, but I just changed it to the Blood Derby. They'll <laughs> <laughs> um, be sort of wade ankle deep in flowing blood during this game. I think. Yeah. It's, see some severed arms <laughs> floating down the sideline or something but uh, regardless uh, yeah Newcastle well improved on last season I think uh, Eddie Howe's done a good job I think they've bought sensibly maybe not they're, they're definitely a club who hasn't made their marquee signing yet whether we'll see that in the coming weeks I don't know but City or City at this point in the season they always feel uh, pretty inevitable yeah. Um, and I expect they'll they'll have too much for for Newcastle. Um, I think kind of. Do you think this might have been a little trickier for City if they were going to play Newcastle maybe mid to late October? So then Eddie Howe's got his 
players in because obviously with money being what it is at Newcastle they could probably afford to bring in a couple more he yeah. can then train them a little bit uh, get them sort of coached into the system he wants to play and if he was playing City maybe sort of like I say sort of towards the end of October he'd have a better chance than mid-August yeah I think so that the they're still as much as they had quite a full half season under Eddie Howe last season obviously you know they need to kind of find their feet again at the start of a new season um, I'd, I'll say this much I am fascinated given how much of City's play is built around nice passing patterns in the midfield and particularly in the centre of the park and so on I'm fascinated to see uh, arguably the world's current world's best ball winning midfielder in Joel Linton. Mm. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see how that goes, him uh, in that midfield playing against that midfield. Um, that, that could be that could be quite fast. If Joel Linton can get in about to early and, and press and and Harry, they can they can de- he's they can definitely unsettle uh, City. Um, it's a fascinating game this one let's say I just think City will have too much and I agree with you it would this would be a closer game I think another month or two down the line yeah and there's talks of Bruno Gimmerich going to Real Madrid today as well yeah I saw that Eddie Howe's been been pretty adamant that that's not going to happen and I admire his optimism but if Real Madrid actually did come calling and I know that Newcastle are now in a much better financial situation as well which possibly allows them to say no to this but is is Bruno going to be happy if a move to Real Madrid is, is knocked on the head mm. uh, I don't know on that one yeah. I, I, could, I still think there's something could happen there right but how they should actually sorry just quickly how oh. they should actually deal with that is by saying we're not going to sell you and we're also going to bring in um, Paqueta because uh, obviously he's like pals from yeah. Leon days and so on and I think that might just appease them enough I like Leon they're my French team uh, but I don't like them being picked apart in the way they have been in recent years with Fekir off the Betis and um, Gimaresh and others yeah and Dembele potentially on his way as well he's apparently got some suitors so yeah I'm not too sure about Dembele I mean obviously he was really good at Celtic but he, he looks like a man who needs about four chances to score one goal yeah, and, and uh, my best mate is a Celtic supporter and he would have said the same. I think mm. by the end he was actually quite happy to see Dembele go because Dembele had got quite lazy. Yeah. Um, and so that would be a concern for me is that if you put him on a kind of title contending dominant side, would that same laziness and kind of start to pop into his game again? Yeah. Potentially. I like uh, Caballero and Toko Kambi they've got at Leon. They're very good players. Yes, I can eat. Yeah. Um, right, have you got your uh, sharp knives and forks out? Are you scraping away and stuck your napkin down your, down your top? Because Monday night, 8 o'clock on Sky, is Manchester United versus Liverpool in the Paul Ince derby. Shall we pick away at the carcass that is Manchester United? <laughs> Let's have some fun with this. Even Jurgen Klopp has come out today. Have you seen this today? Jurgen Klopp defending the, the, them. The Gabby Agbonga horse. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I kind of like it. Yeah. Um, because I think there are some. And look, I'm not suggesting for a minute that an average footballer can't make a good pundit. Mm. But Gabby Agbonga isn't he a good pundit. <laughs> um, I, I think there's a, this cottage industry in Britain of 
average footballers have got maybe a bit too much to say from uh, from a supposed position of authority yeah. about clubs, and I think I, I quite liked Klopp having a go at him today. I think I liked the idea that he almost called in. Yes. <laughs> Do you ever see um, Frank Lampard calling to Adrian Durham on Talk Sports, take him up on something? And I didn't know. no, he did. And Frank Lampard did actually as well. Um, this was the this was years ago. It was in the news that Frank Lampard had his wife had split up, and he had kept the sort of rather big family house that they lived in, and sort of booted his wife and the kids out to live in some sort of. It was described as some sort of bedsit somewhere. And James O'Brien of LBC um, was sort of saying, you know, he's weak and scum and all this sort of thing. And um, Frank Lampard's sister was listening. And so she rang Frank up. Frank rang the radio station up and had a go live on air to, at uh, James O'Brien. Gave him an absolute mouthful. Because, by complete coincidence, it was the first anniversary of uh, Frank Lampard and his sister's mum's death. Uh, and then to listen oh, to that about yourself on the radio, he oh, um, that's no great on a day. No, and James O'Brien said, "Look, how was I supposed to know?" Uh, but you know, <laughs> Frank Lampard's basic response was, "Don't wash my linen in public, because you don't know what you're talking about." But the only good thing I've ever sort of imagined Frank Lampard doing. Um, uh, someone did say yeah, people should have a go at James O'Brien, but that's a that's a separate <laughs> Um, some people said it's quite a good move by Klopp to do this because if he was going to say, yeah, Gabby Abdonlahor is right, they are crap, that's just basically writing United's team talk for them. So, of course, he was going to sort of defuse the situation. Yeah, I, I get that. Although, at the moment, given how little of a shit anybody at United seems to give about their current predicament, I'm not entirely sure that would have fueled the fire in quite the way it might have when your Roy Keane's or your, your Mark Hughes or your Dennis Irwin's were in the dressing room so yeah Aye. fair enough would you like a list of players that have been linked with Manchester United this week alone I don't know I mean I got one here I'd like to get out of here before midnight if I <laughs> so João Felix Casemiro which as we record has just happened over £70 million um, Thomas Munier, Jamie Vardy, Pierre Enrique Bamiang, Avaro Morata, Jan Sommer, Christian Pulisic, Sergina Dest, Moises Cassiedo, Matthias Kuna, Hakim Ziyech, Anthony, uh, Ilan Mislea, Mauro Icardi, Adrian Rabio, Callum Hudson Adoy, Asmi Begovic, uh, and Sergei uh, Milinkovic Savic. That's quite the list. Uh, I mean, uh, if it was 2017, it'd be an amazing list. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the, the names on that list, so obviously the Casemiro deal is, is happening. Yeah. I think talent-wise, what United have paid is probably a fair price. But if you're looking at it from the point of view that he's now 30, mm. isn't he going to have a huge amount of resale value? I'd argue that's an overpay. But at this point, United might argue they've got no choice but to overpay. Um, Mankovic Savic is a name who's been linked with United for each of the last three seasons, I think, and should have happened three seasons ago. Yeah. It should still happen now because Milinkovic Savic is still an exceptionally talented footballer. But some of the other names on that list, you, you know, I, I'm not against the idea of bringing in Asmir Begovic as a number two, but if you're a Man United fan, I think at this point you're wondering why they're not actually pushing the boat out to bring in a new number one. Henderson, they got him, they sent him on loan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's just some of the names on that list have been have been very strange yeah. uh, in terms of I don't see how they fit into a, a Ten Hag team yeah 
No, that's true. Um, I mean, they paid seventy million for Casemiro. Uh, Real Madrid paid sixty-seven million for Tuchmeni. Um That's without the add-ons. It must be said, but he's a lot younger uh, and with yeah, an awful I'm, lot of potential. I'm, I'm pretty certain I've seen him kind of build as the next Patrick Vieira. Mm. Uh, and if he turns out to be like three quarters as good a player as Vieira, then in today's market, I think you could argue sixty-seven is a very good price for that kind of player. I mean, uh, and fits in with their their profile of bringing in younger players like Camavinga and Valverde and so on like that. But um, what yeah. what sort of what sort of tra- what sort of um, recruitment department has a joined up thinking where they go for De Jong, we don't get De Jong. I know we go for Rabiot, can't get Rabiot. Uh, I know Casemiro. I mean, it looks like they're literally throwing darts at a dartboard with players' faces on. There doesn't look to be any sort of um, joined up thinking. I'm genuinely curious as to who has been responsible for recruitment this year because I can't imagine it's Ten Hag. I'm not saying Ten Hag's not had some input course he has he's a very successful coach in his own right at Ajax mm. he'll know how he wants his teams to play but I can't imagine a world where your first move after being turned down for for Frankie de Jong is to go to Adrian Rabio. Mm. Rabio's a, a perfectly fine player but that's all he is Man United are full of perfectly fine players Rabio's no to my mind Rabio's no better than Fred yeah, or, or anything like that. It's just it's a really, really bizarre, and I don't fully understand. I, w- I would be very curious to know who is dealing with recruitment there because I, I can't think of how they could have botched this more. And also, I'd be trying to find out who it is that keeps leaking all this information about the players they're going for because this just makes them look ridiculous. Oh, I know. It's a guy called Mary Haguire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it makes you, you kind of wonder what is going on, not just with the recruiting department, but the scouting department as well, and the analytics department. Yeah. I, I can't imagine for a second the analytics department have thought, we can't get De Jong. Here's the next best player to De Jong. It's Adrian Rabiot. Yeah. Uh, it's it's weird. Do, do you think they've got an analytics department? There's, there's a part of me that thinks that Man United are, and we've seen other clubs fall into this, I shouldn't make it that this is just a Man United problem, but there is a certain amount of we are ex club. This is how we do things. This is how we've always done it. It's always worked. So why should we change? Yeah, I think you're right. And do you think that because of their Man United, do you think there's pressure on them to sign sort of quote unquote a name? Because, um, like I said, PSG got uh, Renato Sanchez for 15 million quid a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, sorry, go on. No, no, I, I was just going. I was just going to back that up in terms of PSG, who get more money than God. Yes. Um, still have the common sense to have an analytics department to recognise these good, affordable, money ball esque signings. Yeah, and he, it, he just don't. He's not too old, Renato Sanchez. I mean, he's still. I think still think he's in his early twenties. Yeah. And that's not. You know, and they paid fifteen million quid for him. And if he doesn't work out, you know, sort of hey ho. Yeah. It's not a huge loss, but seventy million on Casemiro, who we know has been excellent. Will he continue to be excellent at that level 
I don't know. And I feel a bit of a sort of Grinch saying it because, you know, there's no reason why as soon as a player reads, reaches 30, they should all of a sudden drop off because look at Modric and look at Lewandowski. But, Absolutely. yeah, uh, but you kind of think this isn't a long-term investment for you guys as, as a club. This isn't the way that you should be going at all. And Ed on the United podcast I listened to, he was saying that Casemiro raises all sorts of red flags for him because of what we've just been talking about. So yeah, funnily enough, I, I was watching uh, a Tifo IRL video earlier on, mm. and JJ Bull was talking about whether there, there's now this train of thought as to whether Ten Hag should stick with what he wants his teams to do, knowing that that probably leads to him finishing further down the table than they have in three, four, three and a half decades at this point. Mm or whether he should kind of put his morals or his principles to one side for, for a season and just get the results. And Casemiro signing kind of feels like the decision has been made to secure the results and mm. worry about the philosophy later. Yeah, And I don't think that's a great move. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Yes, I, I don't think this is... Uh, long term, I don't think this is the move for United to be to be just chasing the results. I think they should be willing to accept a couple of seasons of real pain to to come out the other side of it a, a better club. Yeah, and I think probably an added sort of annoyance for them is the two clubs that have dominated the league for the last few years are their two biggest rivals as well. Yeah. I mean if it was Arsenal and you know Spurs that have been dominating the league for the last five years. Maybe that pressure won't be there because it's Liverpool and City. I think um, I think it is because if you're a United yeah. fan, you've got to go work with these people day in day out as well. Um, Absolutely. And there's talk this week about new owners as well. So Jim Ratcliffe of Ineos, I think he's Britain's richest man, uh, who owns Nice uh, and the uh, well. I like cycling. I do like watching the Tour de France and other cycling, but Ineos are ex-team Sky, so by default they're scum. So, uh, however, they've, <laughs> they've got a couple of nice riders. I, I feel quite bad actually. So, I quite like Egan Bernal. So, it's quite difficult if you like if you like the individual but hate the institution. Um, so, he's a Manchester United fan from Greater Manchester. He's interested in buying them, having I think previously said he wouldn't. Um, but also, there's this hedge fund investment or private investment company called Apollo, who are American, and I think reading at things this is who the Glazers could be leaning towards more than uh, Jim Radcliffe well you, you have to assume that's because the Glazers are going to get a better deal for themselves mm. out of this venture capitalist group than they will out of Radcliffe um, yeah I, I, part of me thinks the Glazers will want to stay on because presumably they're still making money hand over fist mm. from United but also, at what point does that just not become worth it anymore? I, I'll, I'll be honest, I personally think they're still leaning towards the first. I don't think they're looking to sell anytime soon. Um, I think this is a money printing uh, exercise for them. No sentimentality towards the club. Um, Ratcliffe can, can talk about it all he wants, but if the Glazers don't want to sell, they won't sell. Yeah, and I don't get the impression that they'll be a club or they'll be an entity who will bow to pressure from the club unless it starts affecting the bottom line, which essentially means Man United fans staying away for games. And I don't, I mean, there's talk of a boycott for Liverpool uh, or fans walking out at the Liverpool game, but of course they've already bought their season tickets, so 
Hey-ho. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is something that's not going to affect the Glazers at all this season. No, and if you're not going to, if you're a Manchester United fan that's not going to renew your season ticket, well, first of all, there's always someone that will. Secondly, you're not a club based in Manchester anymore. You're a global brand and entity, so there will be millions of fans around the world who will more than make up for that. So you know, and more so if they keep Ronaldo and all his social media um, uh, followers as well. So. It's not like they've got. Uh, it's not like they're plowing their own money in for a start. And like you say, it's not like they're they're going to lose money as well. And thankfully, for the likes of me and you, they're going to be around for quite a while. Hopefully, United are going to go continue to go downhill. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really weird. I, I, there is a there is a part of me that does buy into the whole thing that you know our strong, insert name of league here, leagues are strong, historically large club. Be strong in it. I, I feel like there's an element of that with United, although less so nowadays. But I mean, when I say strong, you know, United finishing top ten is all right with me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, right. Okay. So that's the end of everything I've got. Have you got any other business at all? No. I, the, the one thing, just to go back to PSG for a moment, mm. I, I'm guessing you must have seen the clip of the tantrum in Bappe. Yes. Which um, one? I've seen two. And there's so three actually I've seen. Where he basically because he doesn't get the ball like forty yards from goal, yes. he gives up in the play and turns his back on it. I've been a big defender of, of Kylian Mbappe. I, I feel like some of the, the criticism he has taken in the last like three years has been a bit unfair considering he's still a very young man. Yeah. A young man who's basically had everything given to him and, and he's still kind of getting to know himself and so on. But with this way his contract is signed and the control that he now holds within the club itself that that to me is a, a really bad look and I know that there's talk that that might be partly down to some kind of disagreement between him and Neymar mm. but for the sake of the club you've, you've got to suck that up especially when they're paying you as much as they're paying you so yeah that's slightly I think if I'm PSG uh, no for the league title of course but for the Champions League that Concerns me. Yeah, no, I I'm, I agree with you. I've been a huge fan of Mbappe's. Um, it's it's kind of like a he he seemed very personable for quite some time. Um, and it, you sort of it's one of these players again where you look at where he sort of started off in life to what he's got now. You can't begrudge him any of his success. And of course, he's just hugely hugely talented. Um, and I quite liked him. But yeah, I saw that and I saw him sort of bash past Lionel Messi and then he had the argument with Neymar about the penalty and that's all in the space of this week as well yeah so I mean I think this ultimately ends up given how much money they're now investing into the Mbappe project I reckon this ends up with Messi going back to Barcelona at the end of the season Neymar going wherever anybody will take him that might actually end up being a Premier League I think you could maybe make the argument that Neymar is a player that United should go for because just from the, the point of view of appeasing their fans for a season. Yeah. Um, I think this ends up with those two leaving and Mbappe literally becoming the man, um, even more so than he already is. I, I think there is an element of him feeling potentially like he's still seen as a step below Messi. And yeah. So, yeah, it's... Um, I hope it comes out of this the other end uh, kind of more like as you said that the more personable uh, character he was 
um, because it's we've seen so many players go down this route of you know real arrogance and yeah I, w- I would hate to see a player as talented as he is go down the petulant route yeah I'm torn with Neymar well I'm not torn because obviously there's the sexual assault allegations and you think well you know that's no good but I feel like I'm sort of following the artist I'm feeling like following the art rather than the artist here but there is something about him his personality or something there is something I do quite like about him but that comes with a huge caveat of those allegations and for me oh, it, it, it's it shouldn't be a conundrum um, if yeah I, I, I yeah it I shouldn't be a conundrum I wasn't aware of those allegations to be honest I mean the, the one we won't get too far into this but obviously no. <laughs> everybody kind of takes a piss at him for his relationship with his sister mm. um, maybe he's Cornish like me maybe <laughs> <laughs> So the thing is, Neymar in terms of personality and so on, on the pitch is a different matter. He's a kind of spiky character, and you know it. He, he goes out his way to annoy people. On but the I like that. So on. But yeah, I, I don't mind that either, especially when it's someone playing for your own club. Mm. Um, but in terms of off the pitch, I think Neymar to me has always seemed quite, as you said, a kind of personable individual. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't. Like I said, I wasn't even aware there were allegations around him, but. Unfortunately, I think we're getting to the point where we need to start just assuming that if they're a footballer, then <laughs> yeah. we should be prepared for the inevitable day. We I... haven't even touched on the, the Ryan Giggs poem. Well, I was deliberately avoiding everything Ryan Giggs while the trial is live. That's, so... <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. But I mean, yeah. we can say without doubt that that poem is one of the worst things I've ever read in my life. I read it to my wife today. She was just... <laughs> Her mouth was a gog at the end of it. <laughs> Somebody on Twitter had said, Imagine if Paul Scholes had wrote a poem around the time about him, you know, chewing his dog's toenails. And I just thought, No, I can't. That's just too much. We need to stop this conversation. <laughs> right, well, look, that brings us to the end of this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. Um, Dave and Ali, and uh, probably Carl, because Simon, uh, looking at his Instagram, is still in America. Uh, we'll be back um, on Sunday or Monday to review the games that we've been previewing. Uh, if you'd like to be here, you can follow us on Instagram and Man on the Post, uh, Instagram and Twitter at Man on the Post. You can uh, give us a like on Facebook as well. You can uh, follow us on all your uh, podcast apps of choice Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Acast, I don't think it's still going, but uh, Apple iTunes, you can follow, and all your future episodes will fall automatically into your inbox. Um, Andy, if they want to follow you on uh, Twitter, how do they do that? Uh, they can follow me at Sake Tyson. Excellent. Uh, they can do that. And thank you ever so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. That's all right. And always remember to keep your man on the post. Mm-hmm.